The year is 1994. I'm Zach. I'm Dave. I'm Charlotte. And this is the Dean's List. Variant cover. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we go through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book journey, and today, in 1994, it your has been one decade. Journey? Did I say journey? Journey. You're, just, the, you're just straight up the journey. <laughs> I like that as a journey. I'm Zach, Listen, the journey. Comic book journey. That's very early 2000s NBA player nickname. Alan yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the question. Um, all right, Dave, don't, don't derail me. It has been one decade. Since 1984 is the Dean's List, and it's back. School is in session. Pull up a chair, get out your textbooks, put your apples on my desk. It's time for the Dean's List. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts. We have Dave, <laughs> Dave the Vala Big Dick Torian. What? Charlotte, my straight Francais student. <laughs> get it? And no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I picked out a selection of comics for us to read again. Uh, these are all stuff that Dave uh, did not put on the original list. Mm-hmm. I thought are like fun, interesting things from this year that would be neat to uh, dip our toes into. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, without what, further, what an absolute introduction! <laughs> I definitely uh, yeah. I first off, I'm surprised. You have record of my high school accolades. I'm really surprised <laughs> that you found those, um, but that's cool. Yeah, a dean's list. This is the one time about, you know, it happens about once a decade in terms of publication mm-hmm. calendar. Once a decade, Dave is nodding off, and I uh, I get to yeah, sneak yeah. something into the <laughs> I let a, I let a guest sneak in and put some episodes up on uh, on on the actual podcast feed. So we got a dean's list. Now, last time we did this, Zach, um, you surprised us all with one of my favorite 1980s comics that I had never read. Uh, mm-hmm. Marvel oh, yeah. That Barry Windsor Smith issue with the thing and the human torch. Perfection. Loved it. Mm. Um, this this year, I have read half of these in advance. Really? Okay. Uh, I had already read half of these, and then the other Interesting. half, hmm. uh, you know, we'll talk about. Zach, tell us a little bit about your selection process here for the Dean's List. Why <sighs> was this a special year for you? Why did this one jump out? Like, why did you want to? Why did you want to do a Dean's 1994? List? 1994. I picked it because it was a decade after 84. <laughs> and it just seemed like, yeah, I'll just stick to this uh, this metric. No, there's nothing special about 94. <laughs> 84 was actually a year where like. I had uh, I had already been digging into like the comics at that point, and I was already up to that point in my marvelous year. Like I had read on my own before starting the podcast, so I'd like I had some idea. It was also like it was just the year that Alpha Flight was starting, or w- was that true? Did I bring Alpha Flight? I, I know I brought Alpha Flight number four. If, the, if you uh, did, no one, one did, so it must have been. <laughs> I knew I, I brought the Snowblind one, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh no, I uh, number six. Yeah, yeah. You brought no, it I, I didn't bring before eighty four. Number six. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it was largely like I wanted to get that episode in here, uh, or that that issue in there, <laughs> and then everything else spun out of that. Yeah. No, th- this is once it's again it all started here. because of John Byrne. 
Yes, thank you, thank you, John Byrne. No, John Byrne in this. Things in your life, yeah. This episode, yeah. Um, the uh, I I was rereading everything last night because I put this together a while ago, and kind of <clears throat> the unifying unifying theme here is uh, is good colors. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a very like. There's nothing else that particularly unifies all these comics and theme or anything yeah. or like interest. I thought you were gonna they say have... there's nothing else that's particularly interesting about these comics, just the colors. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that's not true. They're uh, they have great colors like uniformly across all these colors, like the um, Tales to Astonish, especially Captain Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel has some like beautiful com- uh, coloring, and Secret Defenders is really nice as well. <clears throat> so uh, yeah. But yeah, no, no. There's nothing. Uh, there's no unifying theme here. Um, this was just stuff I dug through. What 1994 has to offer? Some weird little corners that we we aren't uh, digging into, and uh, and found a list. So uh, it is weird. Let me, let me start before corners. we jump in. Definitely true. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/MarmorLivesHere. Get the the reading lists for all the comics that you can. Um, if you want to read along, and I want to make sure this is clear because we we've gotten some feedback lately saying like you have to pay. To, to get the list here? No, they're all in the show notes. Like, every every episode we're doing, it's in the show notes what comics we're reading and what comics we're reading for the next episode are in the show notes of each episode. So it is free to everybody. But if you they're do want it listed, in one... If you just go to mymarvelthisshow.com, yeah. you will find where they were all listed originally on comicbookherald.com. What you will miss out there is uh, any updates that are made for the podcast version. But right, the so updates those, are, those in, are the, in the show notes. <clears throat> in the show notes, yeah. Free is free. It, it, yeah, and, it, and it's a dollar a month. Actually, you know, it's a dollar a month, but also you can give us a dollar, and then if you decide you don't want to support anymore, you can just keep access whoa, to the spreadsheet. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't give people an out right away. No, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't initially before we start. Giving I mean, all yes, these please. Outs that we are known for. You also can. Uh, I think you get a discount if you back for a year, so uh, you get like a ten percent discount. So just give us ten bucks back for the whole year. You get access to the the spreadsheet. It's all in one nice, convenient place. Um, and uh, and also reviews over on Apple Podcast and now Spotify uh, ratings on Spotify are very much welcome. Thank you. All right, so let's launch into the first pick I have here, which is Secret Defenders. 12 through 13. This is written by Ron Mars, pencils by Tom Grinberg, ink by Don Hudson, and colors by John Calise. Um, oh, letters by John Costanza. Uh, we, we read some Secret Defenders before, and I don't even really remember what its deal is. It's uh, Doctor Strange, right? It's like it a Doctor Strange out, team. It starts yeah. out as a Doctor Strange. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but Doctor I Strange team. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah, it was, it's really, it's a Defenders. It was Doctor Strange, Wolverine, Spider-Woman. Like, it was a mix of mystical stuff and more street-level stuff. Which and it, both, and it kept I remember changing, that both like, sides didn't work together. Well, and they could. I, I remember looking over like the roster for the first ten episode or issues, yeah. and it was like constantly changing. Like Doctor Strange was always in the middle of it, but like those ten issues, like the team changed many times. Like it never found, which maybe was intentional that they wanted like a rotating roster so that they'd have yeah. new headlines like Wolverine on the team. This this issue, Spider Man, whatever. Um, but yeah, it never really found its uh, its footing. This. Is just like you know what? Forget, forget about that. This is not the same comic anymore. This is what if Thanos has a team? What if Thanos puts together a team of villains to pull off heists? And uh, yeah, th- this was largely a I like Thanos and it's fun to see him back. And this is a fun conceit to see uh, Thanos yeah. interacting with a bunch of villains for like something a little more small scale. Um, <clears throat> Ron Mars, we know from uh, oh. Uh, what is he the penciler Silver of all Surfer. the? Surfer. He's yeah, the yeah, yeah. Of Kyle. Rainer, DC's Green Lantern, and he's oh, really? also okay. mentored and sort of the heir apparent 
in some ways to Jim Snarlin, but he is definitely mentored and has a very close relationship with Starlin to this day, which is why he picks up, you know, the cosmic pieces of Silver yeah. Surfer and yeah, Thanos yeah. to a degree. Now, he's not Starlin, and I think no. his, his writing <laughs> no. does not play that well, but he is genuinely um, respectful of that legacy and is trying to do best by those characters, right? And we're going to see, we're in this interesting place in 94 with Thanos where, like, for the past three years, especially with Infinity Gauntlet, right, in 91, Thanos is the biggest coolest villain in the Marvel Universe, right? So now all of yeah. a sudden, you have, you have this remarkable thing with Thanos where, like, he is purely Starlin from 75 to 91 to the point that nobody touches him, right, for that decade where he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now we're entering the era of, oh, Thanos is cool, Thanos sells, and other writers want to play in that playground, right? And that's where things start to get a little wild, a little messy, um, but this is early days of that because Mars, again, is like, you know, he is he is in the Starlin training facilities <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and he's trying to do right, I think, by those motives and and just, you know, having the character sound and act similarly, if not the same. Uh, Secret Defenders, when it because we have this and then we have Cosmic Powers we're going to talk about um, next episode, which is another like Thanos ish type series. You know, it's an, it's just trying to kind of capitalize on the character without having them be the main focus. Conceptually, Zach, I love Secret mm. Defenders. Like Thanos yeah. putting together a dirty dozen Suicide Squad team of just this hodgepodge of C-list, B-list villains, right? We have Rhino, we have Super Scroll, we have Nitro, right? It, it just like these, like just a mess <laughs> of <laughs> of villains. Um, that's a fun idea. And Thanos sending them in on a mission where he's not truthful about the purpose and they go in thinking they're doing one thing because they have no choice. And then ultimately Thanos tricks them and gets what he wants and doesn't care what happens to them. Um, it's fun. Like it is, it is very simple fun. I, I have to say secret defenders. It does not the first issue I want to read because it's Thanos tricking these team, this team and kind of explaining mm-hmm. things. And then the mm-hmm. next two issues are just rhino smashing into things and, and shouts to rhino <laughs> here for being the yeah. star of the show. But, yeah, I know, uh, yeah. Yeah, but Rhino in that, space, I love it. <laughs> Rhino in space, like, that's fun, right? But it's just if, like, dumb fun action. If I left the next two issues in, uh, it, it maybe was just because we needed to see that final shot of Silver Surfer flying with Rhino sitting, <laughs> like, very sadly and kind yeah. of, like, morose, just slumped, uh, slouching at the end of Silver Surfer's surfboard, being, like, whizzed back to Earth <laughs> on, uh, on uh, Silver Surfer's That's surfboard. adorable. I actually yeah. liked, like, almost Suicide Squad-like uh, dynamics of the team in the mm-hmm. two, like, the two last issues. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I think it's it's just fun to have, like, that team of supervillains completely out of the elements, except maybe for Super Scroll, and, like, in a situation mm-hmm. where they they can only rely on each other and they have to, like trust each other and work together if they want to survive that's yeah. very fun and uh, I don't think like it was nice to have Thanos in the first one and I think Ron Mars he's not trying to be starting in uh, like he's not trying to replace Stalin or do do the same like he doesn't have as uh, grandiose um, I guess ambitions as a Stalin comics maybe he's just like the point of the comic is to have that fun team and Thanos is more of the excuse for it yeah. Uh, but he, he does some fun stuff with it. But yeah, I, I had fun with the like the main thing, which was the the supervillain team. Yeah, and I, I uh, good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you both you both kind of liked it. Uh, I mean, I don't think this is some hidden. I don't gem. think they're actually good. Like, I do want to be clear, they're not. Oh, okay. actually good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think but they're good. I, it's, I don't it's think a they're because once they get to the planet, 
like once once the team gets there and they get to the mm-hmm. planet, it is incredibly uh, trite <laughs> and uninteresting. <laughs> I thought, but conceptually, I'm like, there's a lot of meat on the bone here of Thanos putting together these random teams to run missions for him. You know, it reminds me a lot of like a Marvel Contest of Champions or one of the games they have now, where you mm-hmm. would just you would have this big figure, um, this known villain, and then they're like, yeah, and I assembled this team of you know, players that make no sense together and they're going to go run <laughs> missions. And, uh, and that's kind of what this is. And they, that, that part of it, I like, it's just the spirit of it is very healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that the, the first issue is definitely the best here. Um, Tom Grinberg, his art really like really works for me here, well, especially he's always, grinding. he's always, <laughs> <laughs> he's always on his Grinberg. Yeah. Uh, the, the weird thing is, did you think that there were different artists between 12 and 13 or at least different inkers? Because like, these comics look very different. Twelve, because I, I got I to thirteen, and I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, okay, this is not the same. No, it's the exact same creative team on twelve and thirteen. Mm-hmm. Twelve is all these like really thick, dark lines, and it's this kind of beautiful mix of uh, yeah, like like really dark, thick blacks, and then bright popping colors. I think it looks great. I really like the the look of it, and it, it's got a little looseness to it. it it's um, it, it's definitely not like <laughs> adhering to any kind of normal anatomy. It kind of looks a little JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Hmm. Um, and then 13 and to a lesser degree, 14, 14 gets it back a little bit, but 13 just loses that. And it just becomes like thin. It, it maybe is just, they, uh, they didn't have time to ink it the same way. Um, but, uh, it, it looks, it's very strange because they look like very different, um, comics. Well, and what, but, yeah, what is also very strange about it, pun intended uh, here, is the absence of Doctor Strange, who is like... Well, the they, they throw out that entire, that entire idea, but right? It, but like, it comes back, gone. like, almost immediately. Like, once these yeah. issues are done... We get into like all of a sudden the cover has like Deadpool and like the Return of Doctor Strange like not too. Yeah, long he was ago, in the last you know? the last ep- issue had him in it. I keep calling them episodes. The last uh, the last issue had him in it, and then you're right, fifteen jumps in again. So yeah, it is just this weird it's little just like, like they have diversion. no idea what this series is, right? Like and, no idea. Yeah, <laughs> and it ends with issue twenty five, right? So this is not <laughs> it's not long for this world. <clears throat> it's a different it's a totally different uh, creative team as well. When like Doctor Strange, it's uh, Tom Brevert and. Mike Kantervich uh, take over again. And like, so I, I don't know what happened. Maybe they were just like, Ron, do you want to take over for three issues? Like, I'm on vacation. Oh, yeah, because um, wasn't it um, Roy Thomas that did the first ones? Oh, yeah, you're right. Is that, I think so. Cra- yeah. Uh, it sounds right, because he's writing Strange Sorcerer Supreme around this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's RT and Andre Coates on pencils hmm. to begin. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think I would like, I'd be more into Secret Defenders if it more openly wore the fact that it was just like hey this is a the defenders now is just kind of a weird anthology of Mm -hmm. whatever weird teams are required for like just a hodgepodge of situations across the marvel universe um i'm like i'm into that idea right like like a an ongoing series of just kind of like technically in continuity but totally on their own you know tales of just like times unusual teams were put together for various circumstances that has manga volume potential right just Mm. like you just pump out a few of those where it's like hey do you want to just get a flavor of the marvel universe yeah check out secret defenders that's what that is um but they don't know it to be that like they don't have any concept of what they want to be at this yeah 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 i i uh, i I kind of agree i i I think this is fun (laughs) especially if you're like on the uh the the thanos wavelength that i am where like just any anything like thanos and uh starlin adjacent is exciting at this point yeah It, it is weird seeing like what you're going to do with this character without continuing to try to make him like the the big epicenter of huge stories right because that like that gets tiring and he he's I, I think they've done a good job of actually like 
Like, I think Starlin wore out that. Like, he pressed that button too many times. The, like, the huge uh, event-level, um, like, cosmic stories, at least in his events, with uh, the three of them back-to-back, year-to-year-to-year. But, like, Thanos himself never got, like, tired out because he was always doing new stuff with Thanos. Thanos was always, like, on new sides of the um, of the conflicts, and he was, like, evolving. So, like, it, it is interesting to think about, like, what Thanos is going to be. He Thanos is all over 1994, though. Like, as I was skimming through, like, all the issues in 1994, he's he's all over this. So, like, he's popping up here and there as guest stars and uh, in all kinds of series. I think the biggest, series, the biggest yeah. challenge with Thanos, which is what you're describing, is Starlin takes... When every time Starlin touches, he wants to do something new. He wants an evolution of this character. So, especially through the events, we have, okay, Thanos is straight up the villain, trying to wipe out half the universe. Then... Okay, no, Thanos is an uneasy alliance, you know, because his motivations are contrary to the Magus. And then, um, you know, as we move into, like, Warlock and the Infinity Watch, it's like, oh, no, he's actually, like, more chilling on a farm and has an Infinity <laughs> Stone because he's entrusted by Warlock. And now he's almost like an anti-hero, right? And, and Starlin pretty consistently uh, has to kind of try and find new ways to invigorate the character. I think mm-hmm. what we see from 94 forward is Marvel as a whole is, like, yeah, could we not do that? And could we just have this really cool villain back in more of a villainous role? And I think Mars does a nice job. There's a line in here that I love, and I shared the panel, but Thanos is like, my name has lately been connected with too many altruistic acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which That's is great. good and very meta. And it's also like, yeah, we need to get back to the villainy roots. And I think that Marvel's probably not incorrectly here recognizing, like, yeah, that's what sells. Like, that is, you know, like, that is the Thanos that the comics readership probably demands, even if it's mm-hmm. not. You know, sometimes we we think we know what we need or we know what we want, but then creators give us what we need, right? And I think Starlin's very good at that. Mm. Um, but uh, but here Mars is kind of, you know, he's playing with that. But he's play- but again, like, very respectfully. Like, Mars and Starlin have a close relationship, to my knowledge, to this day. Like, Mars was um, pushing for those Dreadstar compendiums that came out recently. Like, mm. he was the mm-hmm. one in my in my messages being <clears> like, hey, we got Starlin Dreadstar. Omnibus is coming out. Check them out. So, like... There's a there's a respect there that is again I, I'm very um I'm very protective as a fan of Thanos because it's so uniquely tied to Jim Starlin so when I see creators who aren't Starlin writing the character I'm very skeptical and Mars I don't think you know he's not on that level and nothing he does quite touches it but there's a there's a healthy connection there where it's like okay but I I get this I know why he gets to carry that role right even if it doesn't always work yeah 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 I agree I'm uh, I'm I'm with I'm with you and I'm I'm very curious to see like. Does Thanos get another? I, I don't think he gets like the focus of big events again for a long time, right? It's not till uh, who's that team that I like have hated in the nineties? Um, New Warriors, who come in and do some stuff with like uh, like cosmic stuff in the two thousands, like the Annihilation stuff. Um, uh, what? What? Who, who does the, the galaxy? Who, uh, Nova Corps. Um, oh boy. Uh, there's because there's been some like oh like who Andy Dan Abnett and Andy Landing. Oh, <coughs> oh the creative team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that that's is that like Thanos related? I know that's big like cosmic stuff. We can't talk about that. My goodness. All that's right, all right. Years from now. <laughs> <laughs> People won't remember. Good grief. <clears throat> okay, all right. So next next up, we read Captain Marvel number one. Can you give me just a second. Uh, my my trash truck is outside picking up my trash at seven thirty on a Sunday. Your little trash the, uh, truck. The, <laughs> Your personal the, trash truck. <laughs> yeah, I paid them to come over. Your the the uh, sanitation pe- workers are on strike truck. in San Diego. <laughs> what is? What Pick are you doing? Go <laughs> Lend in a hand. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> yeah, that's. 
the uh, the sanitation workers are on strike in San Diego, which means that this is like this is Friday's trash, but it's oh. just getting picked up right now. Oh, so you're scabbing. Yeah, I go out and yell scabs way. every time they pick up my trash as they're <laughs> as that, they're picking up say, and throwing away rat, my trash. That rat inflatable you have on your front yard is grotesque. It is really <laughs> grotesque. Yeah, hara- like yelling in these men's face as they pick up the garbage that I left on the side of the road for them. And you don't even use a can. <laughs> you just throw your stuff straight in the gutters like an absolute <laughs> slob. It is repulsive. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's. I guess we need to give you a minute to go scream out the window. <laughs> I think. I think it's good now. I think they're far enough away. All right, so next up, we read Captain Marvel number one. This is by Dwayne McDuffie and Dwight Cow. Pencils by Mark Bright. I don't have the rest of the... Oh, no, here we go. Um, it is inks by Jensen Kalberg and McKenna and colors by Carlos Lopez. Letters by Joyce Kroll and Sarah Mossoff. Lots of lots of people, uh, creative people on this. It's a big issue. Uh, you snuck it is a us big with issue. some it's... big comics, Zach. You snuck us with some real long ones. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, was, well, it was is a shorter list. I think. <laughs> I think I only put seven comics on the entire list, so two two of the comics being overly that. length. Yeah, um, and it, this one actually goes down incredibly quick. This one doesn't feel double length to me. This is the this is your best edition. I think, yeah, uh, I, I think by, so too. Um, well, not right. Stop taking stabs. Um, this is uh this is called Speaking Without Concern, which is based on the uh, the Audrey Lord writing. It gets quoted twice here in this comic, and uh, it is a serpent so- serpent society Monica Lambeau story. Um, you say Lambeau? And, uh, it, yeah, Monica Lambeau. Lam- what is it? What's her name? Ra- Rambo. Monica Rambo. Rambo. Oh, Rambo. God, yeah, of course. Monica little, Rambo. Uh, little Kanye Mercy, maybe. With the Lambo? Mm, I don't know what I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. That one. <laughs> oh, great. Um, Monica Rambeau story, and we just haven't seen that much Monica Rambeau. She's not part of the Avengers anymore. She's not on a team. She's been kind of. I, I don't know if she's like sidelined by Carol Danvers necessarily, because Carol Danvers also is not big this right isn't now. a big carol wave no no yeah no. no like there's not really anything going on with these characters and uh and it's a shame because she's such a cool character cool powers great costume <clears throat> and uh and like one of their great black characters that they have like right here ready to use <laughs> and uh and they haven't been and she has such a big avengers run too where like she is yeah oh yeah critical huge during avengers that roger stern run. was the leader of the avengers yeah, right. Yeah. No, like the Stern yeah, yeah. era positions, uh, yeah. you know, Monica's as, yeah, this leadership position. And then it's like she kind of just falls to the wayside, which is very disappointing. And on the creative yeah. side, uh, something interesting happening is um, Dwayne McDuffie is coming back to write this. Right now, he's in the middle of, like, having founded Milestone Media. It started last year. Yeah. So, like, hmm. he has all these other comics going on. But he comes back to Marvel to do this one-off, and it is—it's such a shame. It's a one-off. Also, that's that's such a <laughs> such a bummer to me because yeah. I, I think there's so much potential for this to be, um, you know, a long-running series. But uh, I, I actually I wonder if this was supposed to be and something happened because there's nothing about this where it's just like this is a you know a number one special event. Like it just looks like the number one issue. Oh, in Captain Marvel I, see, number one. I think one. it feels. I guess because I know it's one and done. I guess that colors it. But like I, I did think it was. It felt like a one-off special to me. Um, it, it yeah. I mean, for me, it's basically like, hey, what if we did the Peter Parker, Stanley, John Romita um, crisis on campus, but mm-hmm. we did it well. Yeah. <laughs> but we did it well, <laughs> and yeah. we had something to say. Um, and, and I think McDuffie and the team, they do a really good job with this material, frankly. Um, I, I think this comic could 
almost be replicated beat for beat, like action for action, in Marvel calendar year 2021, and it would feel of the moment. It would feel fairly well handled, you know, and uh, and that says a lot. And I think that's one of McDuffie's greatest skills is he was very much ahead of the curve, um, not only in terms of talking about racial relations and, and being able to handle that with the perspective of, you know, a black man in America, um, but also just like stylistically bringing in um, topical and, and rip from the headlines type stuff, you know, like the Serpent mm-hmm. Society as a reflection of white supremacy and kind of the way it was evolving in America in the 90s, but doing it in a way that's still very Marvel Universe, you know, that still leads mm-hmm. to, mm. you know, a Serpent Society versus Captain Marvel fight, you know, because it, it's that's a hard balance to strike to bring in. And we talk about this all the time, obviously, like it's a hard balance to strike to bring in things that are political and are sensitive and also to have big superhero fights in them and to do that same kind of story. And I think McDuffie's very good at it. Um, I don't think this is like, I don't know, like it's it's not like, oh, secretly, this is the best comic of the of the 90s or something, um, but it's very worth reading. And, uh, and and for yeah. me, especially, I really love, you know, we talk about this with Deathlock, with McDuffie's writing. Um, with Deathlock, he brings in W.E.B. Du Bois, right? And and the quotes. And we kind of debated on, on those episodes, like, okay, how, how effective is the use? And does, the, does thematically, does it actually play out throughout Deathlock that effectively, right? And those are debates, I think, that are worth having. Um, but just bringing in Andre Lord here. And again, mm-hmm. just like purely on an awareness level, purely on an awareness level, bringing in these African-American writers who... Marvel and specifically of the 90s pointing out or of now do not know you know what i mean um, and pointing out great. that it's written by a black lesbian right like yeah <laughs> in in a marvel comic yeah. still feels uh like, has the word lesbian ever been said in the marvel comics to this point i don't think i mean it, i mean truly, truly acknowledges acknowledges that gay people and lesbians yeah. exist several times even if they're not which being... is more than most marvel comics uh yeah, yeah even yeah. today <laughs> charlotte what did I, you think about this yeah, please. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. There was like one plot point that uh, I felt the need to go back and see uh, some Spider-Man issues to understand what was going on. Um, oh, what was that? Uh, like the origins of the main antagonist, which like uh, the like what they say about he's a guy called Skinhead, who's like mm-hmm. basically a, a neo-Nazi, and like they say that he. I mean, it's weirdly explained in this comic that he's. His dad's pride for their Jewish identity pushed him to become a Nazi, mm-hmm. and like yeah. they, and then the comics keeps going as if that was like very logical and clear. And uh, I didn't like <laughs> it is not. what yeah, was it going is on not. there. Right. I mean, they they talk. Um, about, I mean, that's that's a discussion <clears throat> that they have, right? Like kind of internalized like racism, right? Internalized bigotry, right? It, that's a real thing. Uh, I, mean, I think I, the yes, challenge the, that this comic has uh, is it has to kind of yada yada that because it was something that started in another comic and that's a yeah. pretty big conversation to try see and that get that's across. the part that like that that doesn't stick in my craw <laughs> in this comic there's other stuff that does I mean, but that's like it's I think not that is an it's interesting... like bothered me it's like I, I genuinely didn't understand what was going on like yeah because i didn't understand is that if he wasn't jewish and like he felt pushed away by his dad or something like like i didn't clearly understand what was going on because they really skipped uh, through like his backstory, like because uh, there were comics before that uh, that explained it, uh, but like yeah, it didn't bother me like politically or something. It just it wasn't clear to me what was like, actually going on with uh, with him. It kind okay. of feels like I I thought the inclusion of skinhead 
which boy what a character uh oh my god the, the <laughs> shot the shot where he emerges fully nude and bald from his big like pokemon slimy body yeah uh, yeah. And, yeah. And the, but it's an emotional moment and him and his dad like reach out to embrace as he's like naked and going like dad son uh-huh. <laughs> is, uh-huh. it's pretty pretty funny yeah no i i think that is that would for me is probably the decision that is the messiest for sure, mm-hmm. literally, because yeah. that is a slimy bald guy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but also just, I think, subject-wise. Like, I think this comic has enough, frankly, um, with the Serpent Society and with the protests and with Captain sure. Marvel. Yeah, I agree. That it doesn't need that addition to, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, I think you can kind of see what McDuffie's doing, right? Is he's pulling in a very Marvel Universe thing of a big slime monster. And it also has all these identity questions right with with mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know this the the jewish heritage of this character and and the way they've maybe internalized hatred against that um but it, it feels like too much i i think that piece i I, I think it just feels like too much <clears throat> because of the big super villain nature of it i don't think like the uh the actual character itself bothers me it's just that he's a big slime monster <laughs> that's all that part is like a little superfluous <laughs> i mean me. I, I just want to i just want to be clear though that like None of us, to my knowledge, are Jewish, and uh, and I bet that reads differently, or potentially. I, I guess I would be open to hear the, the slime monster how that reads differently. Uh, no, just that character in general, like that whole ah, history uh, uh. and relationship, and I don't. That's I don't know. Oh, I don't like, know. I mean, I, I think it's not going for any. It, I don't think it's going for anything specifically Jewish here. I think he is just kind of talking about like a generalized, you know, internalizing uh, uh, an external bigotry towards self. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, like that, that feeling like mm. the only way to, uh, to deal with it is becoming, you know, just as like, yeah, we do suck. Don't we? <laughs> right. Like that, that's something, mm. I mean, I, I've known people who have, have done that. Uh, I guess we can get into it, but like, you know, pe- people who, uh, kind of, that's part of their growth in finding like pride in themselves and their own culture, whether that's being gay or racial, uh, identity is, uh, is kind of like fine fighting their way through, the the external bigotry uh my my issues with this and you know like i i think this is a beautiful comic i think it looks really nice the colors here are gorgeous like every every panel like is so bright and colorful and the uh the lighting is so nice like one of my <clears throat> favorite looking comics of uh that we've read in a while hmm. um uh, my, my issue <laughs> is that like uh it likes the cops too much <clears throat> and this is this is a political nitpick but like that feels, and it's also, it kind of does this, you mentioned Stanley Crisis on Campus. It does kind of a similar thing of poo-pooing the protesters a little bit for like, oh, this is going to, she's just like very worried this is going to radicalize the protesters and like, that they need okay. to like stay okay. home for, uh, you know, like the, the Serpent Society is coming out to march on campus and she's like, oh no, they, sh- they better not confront them because that will be, you know, just incite violence. Um, it, it's very like, you know, you can't, it, it it's dealing with like superpowers, right? So it's like, no, leave the yeah. white supremacists mar- marching through campus to the cops and the superheroes, <laughs> right? Which is like, that's not re- like the cops here uh, not being on the side of the marching white supremacists is like, you know, the part that rings false to, <laughs> to me that the cops would be like just as concerned with this. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's so, like, I read it more th- as that if, like, me, she, she was like, Oh, cool! I have to protect a uh, hundred people on top of fighting this guy. That's that's gonna help me. But, yeah, uh, sure. But yeah, that, I mean, that I does... see. Uh... Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Please. No, yeah, I, I see what you mean with the like. 
the poo-pooing the protesters uh, and like seeing the the police as the the saviors of the situation with the uh, with the superheroes. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a little like and superhero cop team ups is yeah. just a given. Uh, I no, sure, no, I, I know. I mean, like that. I'm not saying that as like the way oh, it that's, goes, that's but right, like... or that's. I, I just I genuinely don't know of any Marvel comics that begin to take <laughs> a contrary uh, or mm. or in any way subversive opinion on that um, until much much later. Um, sure. You know where we're now. <clears throat> but you could also just now choose is, now not to have them, right? That. Like, I mean, I guess the thing about the early '90s too, though, is in, like this yeah. is you know this is 1994, right? So like. You know, we're post Rodney King here. Like this is yeah, exactly. There yeah. is. It's not like this isn't of a moment as well. Um, but I. I, I mean, it's post a million like that. the cops. You know, like brutalizing uh, leftist protesters, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that didn't uh, start the, with Rodney King. <laughs> no, no, time. no. But I'm just saying, like yeah, this yeah, is a, no, a tried and true. You know, like the people showing up to uh, to counter protest KKK and then getting brutalized by the cops is a, a long American tradition. Uh, and and sort of know. that that victim blaming. Of being like, well, yeah. you showed up, and you know, but it, it, it that gets messy, I think, when you're talking about like, <laughs> well, they are literally superpowered serpent society members, right? Um, I know that that, that, that yeah. so it it like it feels like one of the the contradictions of trying to deal with this stuff with superpowers is like it's really hard, and, you know, like, and I, I don't even want to, I'm not bashing the the writer here to like for for doing a really bad job with it because I think it's really difficult to do this. I don't think it's easy to do that because you are dealing with impossible solutions to real world problems right um i just i don't think this like totally nails it that being said i think it like discusses it uh in a more interesting way you know i i like the the coalition of people rising up on campus against uh against the serpent society i like the way the serpent society actually is like portrayed here i think they're pretty interesting how like insidious their arguments are yeah and i do think like i mean truly you pull the serpent society and these talking points from 1994 and you plop them in 2022 and it's just as ripped from the headlines and if you oh of course i mean it, it's exactly relevant. charlottesville right like <laughs> the stuff they're saying is literally See, you like, say yeah. of course and i think that that long arc of history is not always so obvious frankly although um, I, I did kind of roll my eyes at some some of the son of the serpents uh just taking the masks off and joining the protesters and like no we, we don't yeah, want to, oh to yeah be white nationalists. <laughs> yeah that, that was a little silly yeah well i think yeah, it, yeah, there's, there's a little I think the comic Just, ends with the centrism that Marvel Comics is famous for. Yeah. Uh-huh, um, yeah. And, and that is a piece of it, which is, you know, well, ultimately, we all just want to get along um, and, uh, you know, and stop the fighting kind of thing. I, it's it's yeah. a little too clean, but again, it is a one shot and that is kind of how these stories tend to play out. So it's it doesn't do anything subversive in that regard either, I suppose, which is another criticism. But again, like the the general framing and and the conversation it's having here and again it's just being we haven't hardly talked about but like monica rambeau that that's a character who you know we've talked about her being underutilized in this era but also like she gets so confusingly overpowered at times in the stern avengers where it's Mm -hmm. like well she can just turn into like you know like untouchable um you know like waves of the spectrum and and like no one can touch her and she can fly around the world in a second and it's like well like how could how could she ever struggle with anything um and this comic kind of sells that where it has you know it's it's a more grounded version of the character um serpent society has technology that actually puts her on the ropes right and we see monica have to struggle with this in a in a more spider-man-esque way you know in terms of at least the physicality of it uh that i think is important because if she could just fly around and disable this and stop it i I guess it would be a totally different comic frankly because then it would be entirely about the conversation and the ideas um and it's not that 
I do have to say for uh, Seven Society stands out there, uh, we've been saying Seven Society, but I think the villains are the Sons of the Serpent, oh, yeah, you're which right. are the white nationalist, uh, like... Oh, yeah, Serpent Society I think is the, like, people who are actually literal snakes. We all <laughs> yeah, and I think Diamondback s- and... Multiple of them are black, like, here. so that would be weird. Mm, well, if if you all remember going back to the Black Panther uh, KKK issue, several of those purple KKK people were also black. So if Marvel Comics has taught me anything, <laughs> that being black doesn't mean you don't join those uh, societies. Oh. Yeah, that was that was all over again. that was met uh, with the uh, the silence it deserved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, I mean, but it's it's a very good issue, and it's it's um, yeah. definitely worth reading. I think. Uh, probably the only only one on this list (laughs) all right so (laughs) that's that's not true we're about to read two excellent punisher issues were you surprised i put some punisher comics in here i was i was kind of i was more disappointed than surprised (laughs) really okay so did did neither of you like vibe with these comics i was more Uh, i was actually more surprised after i read them oh sorry really okay yeah yeah Charlotte, what did you? No, think? I just don't like Punisher to start with, so that's <laughs> that's not a good starting point, And these issues didn't change my mind about that. Okay, all right. So maybe I could. Th- these are the issues that like clarify when I can like get into Punisher and what I Explain. like about Punisher. Huh. Explain. Um, so we've got uh, this. This is part of like a larger run called Suicide Run that goes on for I don't know how many issues, but we only read the first two. I feel like more. Of it, I think these are the best of the two. I read the whole the whole arc. Um, and it's running across Punisher's three currently running series right now, <laughs> which is wild. He's so popular right now. Yeah. Um, but it's Punisher War Journal 61, written by Chuck Dixon and pencils by Gary Quapiz. Um, and uh, and then Punisher War Zone 23, written by Larry Hama and pencils by John Buscema. And uh, have we read Larry Hama yet, Dave? I, and he's been around uh, since the 80s, right? I mean, Wolverine, right? Wolverine. Mm, yeah, we okay. read some Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine, okay. Chuck Dixon is a name that like is really familiar, but I don't know what I've read or what I know <laughs> oh, him. Oh no. Oh from. no. <laughs> we have to have the Chuck Dixon conversation. Yeah, tell me. Tell me all okay. about it, Dave. <laughs> uh so Chuck Dixon is a very well known nineties writer. Um mm-hmm. he is predominantly known for I mean he writes a lot of Punisher stuff for Marvel, but he writes a ton of Batman and he wrote Nightfall <laughs> and uh and uh, he's the creator or co-creator of Tim Drake, Robin. Um, so there's a lot of Bat legacy stuff that is done by Dixon that is very well regarded and and very held up. The biggest challenge with that is that contemporary <laughs> readers will know that he is uh, tied to the most noxious elements of comics, um, has pretty much uh, firmly landed himself in the like just like very very hateful camps of ah, comic books so it's a it's a thing where do not support this individual currently at all um but there's obviously no arguing that there were some pretty formative and important comics uh that he contributed to um that are you know still referenced and used today hmm. okay yeah yeah i didn't i didn't know any of that moving in i just i recognized the name but the but that was about it um okay so uh Okay, so the, the reason I like these comics, the reason I like these Punisher comics, this is the kind of Punisher I can get into where it is it is f- just kind of a big, dumb, ultra-violent uh, like action movie kind of stuff without getting into, like, like very separated from real-world concerns. It, it's why, like, 
a movie like John Wick works for me. Yeah, it's so far removed from the concerns of like, it's not talking about like, he's not just punishing junkies because they're junkies. He's not like, it, it doesn't feel like some conservative wet dream kind of you know that that's the like the punisher that grosses me out and the end of punisher war journal 61 has a tiny little like three or four uh page short story thing by mike lackey and phil gossier that is that that's the thing where it's like he's literally he's just brutalizing and torturing a pedophile <laughs> and talking about how like and the guy's just like oh the tv made me do it and he's just like well that won't work it's an excuse anymore while he's you know like dangle him out the window and it's clearly just that kind of like yeah, we're sick of, you know, like, pedophiles getting away free by talking about the bad influence of TV, right? Like, it's just kind of, uh, like, working out, like, uh, like fantasy scenarios for people who think that the uh, the, the world, like, it, it, it's trying to deal with, like, real-world stuff in a, uh, in a really nasty, brutal way. This is, like, it's a collection of mafiosos and, like, gang leaders who are all, like, this, this you know... Uh, one world cultural mul- stereotypes. Yeah. I don't know. Do, were any of these culturally stereotyped? Besides, maybe their name. <laughs> the <laughs> like, Irish guy was a lot. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, there, there's what, what's the Irish guy's name? Uh, Flint. Flynn No, his name is Flynn Cullen. It's not that bad. The, <laughs> you know, honestly, no, none of these are actually that bad. Like Tony Ree is the Korean guy. Vlad Slavich is the uh, the the Russian guy. These are not just, like insane. Just a Turk for representing could... uh, all African Americans by being. W- was that the same Turk? That's the same Turk. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, wait, maybe oh, not I actually, because he looks very different. Because he looks nothing to. like. Turk. No, it's not. It's not the same Turk. I it's assumed a they nineties-ified Turk. Uh, <laughs> it says first appearance here on. Uh, okay. On the, the Wikipedia you can't page. have two Turks. Come on. <laughs> the, honestly, I, the only one, one here that I think issue, is a, right. The, the, the one, I think so. The only one that's like a wild stereotype here is Buck Rango, who's just a cowboy. <laughs> besides that, I honestly, I think this does not actually play with any like particularly nasty stereotypes. Like it is a multi-ethnic gathering of um, of crime lords, right? That's the thing where yeah, it's just like that is true. Every, they, every nationality gets a crime lord. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I guess maybe like, that's more. It's like that feels very cartoony that you have like oh, it's a checklist of right. every mafia. <laughs> mafia is a yeah, but, but you know what? That's exactly what the Marvel Netflix stuff did in Daredevil and Punisher. They did the exact I mean, same thing. Yes, that's what that's what Batman, that's uh, the Dark Knight, does with the Joker meeting. Right, like he gathers a, a collection of you know, like you run Chinatown, you run Koreatown, like you run Little Italy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, this is the black gangs. Like I'm unifying them all. Whatever. Well, I mean, I, it's when it, I host it's very my silly. crime lord like, gatherings, I mean, you you have a checklist of ethnicities. Yeah, that's of true. To, right. I, it's like you know, you you, you just want to be inclusive, um, in your in your crime lord families. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Zach. I think the the idea of a of Punisher as John Wick, right? Mm-hmm. Of just like, yeah, this is. Listen, I don't want to have conversations with you, Frank. I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't, don't want to hear about, about what crime. I don't want. Right. Yeah. 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 We, but uh, this but is not a meditation. Just visually on... display. You know this like this just wild action stuff. Like okay, I can be here yeah. for that. And I, I think I'm with you hmm. in theory on that. Um, I think these comics in particular. I just that that really needs artistic flair. That really needs the visual style that sells it. And that's why John Wick is so cool, right? Like those movies are mm-hmm. fun as hell to watch. Um, yeah. They they do inventive and interesting stuff. And I don't 
think 90s Punisher frequently does that. Now, I'm not... I think these, the second let's, one... Let's talk so these this, issues specifically. Um, yeah, because the first I, one's I, set up, and the second one... The first one's all set up for, like, the, the this, you know, this team of uh, all, all these mafiosos and gang leaders are, are coming together, and they, they know that they're putting themselves all in one room, and that will be too tasty a treat for Punisher to ignore, right? They're all going to hang out in mm-hmm. the Manhattan, Manhattan Tower... And, like, they even refer to themselves as, like, he won't be able to resist. We're fish in a barrel, right? Like, we'll all gather together and then we'll we'll have him because we have, like, the highest security and we're totally prepared for him. And then... And I really like that they have Jigsaw at this meeting. And Jigsaw's mm-hmm. like, you fools. That's He's got you right where he wants you. And he's like, I'm out. That's a cool moment. That's a good... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a very... See, it's funny because it's, like, it's, it's very much the Rorschach... I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me, which is well, again, and he, like he does we know that now is sort of not meant to be as cool, cool as inspirational, <laughs> you know, at least yeah. in terms of Morse vision for it. Um, sure. But certainly that's how that, that has been interpreted. Um, and I, I read it that way too. Like that's, and that's kind of what plays out here with Punisher. It's like, you know, you've got me surrounded a hundred men dead to rights, but you know, you're trapped. And it is, me. I mean, the thing is it is cool, right? Like I like, he, he burst in, he like first, he, he sends a, a paraglider with loaded with, c4 and tnt to the top of the building and blows it up and then uh i don't don't actually remember how he like infiltrates into the building but he finds himself in the middle of this room this issue ends and being in the middle of the room holding on to a dead man's switch loaded with uh explosives at the base of this building being like if you kill me this entire building is going to collapse the skyscraper and we're all going down and then he just starts shooting them in the head (laughs) immediately I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Like that that stuff works for me. I was I was on board with uh like putting them in the situation where like he just stands in the middle of them and just starts shooting them and they can't fire back or they shouldn't fire back. Yeah, I mean I think um, the thing I'm missing is like for a Punisher run now to hook uh-huh. me. Um yeah. it's just gotta have an artist who's doing things that are I I think John exciting. Bu John Bushema in the second one is the one who's like I, I think it's good. Like that, that I, the art in the second one sells. I'm sure the, like, it's competent, it. but it's definitely not exciting yeah. to me. Um, I and, think it feels it needs to be like a hundred more, hundred percent more uh, over the top. Yeah, sure. Mm. Like right. It's not if it needs to go all in. I don't and, know. Like, I mean, 1994. I think half how of many times have we seen too, taking itself too seriously? Uh, I, I, I don't think it's taking itself that seriously. Like at one point he grabs a man who has like a final fantasy 7 barrett style gun arm <laughs> and uses his and and puts a gun in his mouth and then makes him shoot all of his friends right like it's pretty silly like there's a man with a you know a gun for an arm here yeah larry um, hama's pretty good at not taking himself too seriously <laughs> i think like that is kind of <laughs> you know he, he can do big wild crazy action um i just you know for me this is uh yeah i mean i i, really I get that exciting. i yeah. i think your broader thesis zach about like Okay, Punisher is best when it's Punisher versus the ma- the vague notion of the Godfather <laughs> and sure. the mafia, yeah, right, right, or the vague notion of the hand, like what Garth Garthinus right? is doing later, right? Like that that stuff's kind of fun because never once is that like this is a meditation on criminality and justice and punishing the junkies who are like you know harassing you, you know these people don't let us do business and they're getting in the way of capitalism and so like it's okay for the Punisher to take them out, right? That stuff like grosses me out and the other this, time the punisher is, is when it's literal monster like if you actually put the fantasy stuff into punisher it actually works surprisingly well yeah um hmm. because oh just because it's like it a takes, man like, with guns fighting uh like well it just like puts him out beasts. of his element a little bit and it also mm. it takes away 
<laughs> those things that you're describing, Zach, um, the, the conversations and the philosophy, yeah. which I think Punisher it falls apart completely. Um, when I also like him yeah. bouncing off of like other characters. It, it oh, needs yeah, to please. be more like John Wick meets the Looney Tunes. Like they need to be like a hundred person caricatures or like way too over the top for, for it to work for mm. me. Here's the thing. If well, maybe you like the legacy Gar- had starred Frank Castle <laughs> instead of LeBron, I probably would have enjoyed it more. I, I wonder if you'll like the Garth Enos, Steve Dillon stuff, Charlotte, because that stuff is maybe totally what you're talking about. It's, <laughs> it's really silly. Like, it's, See, it's exceedingly... Say probably, yeah, yeah. You say probably not, but the, the Ennis Dillon welcome back, Frank, is definitely... That's the test for, are you, for me, for, that's the Punisher I like. Uh, like, that yeah, is the that, run that I fun. definitely yeah. like. And then I actually okay. really dislike Ennis's Max run. Like the Punisher Max run is I haven't read that yeah. the spiritual and tonal opposite of that for me in so many ways where that is like the uber violent you know discussion of of criminality and taking on all of crime Punisher whereas Welcome Back Frank is just like like he punches a polar bear in the nose like it's ridiculous like one of the um, crime the crime lords uh, the running joke is that like sh- uh, the one who runs the family is continually losing body parts like in the fight with Frank. And it's just ending up like, you know, losing arms, legs, nose, like just <laughs> like as it goes on, just becomes like less and less. And it, it's used for comedy. Like it's very yeah. silly. And, and I'm sure stupid. it's the Steve Dillon and, of it, you know, visually. But it's God. like, if it's, I mean, re- it's the successor <laughs> to Preacher more than it's the successor to the Punisher. Totally, totally, you know, totally. Catalog. Okay. It's we just read Steve Dillon for My Ultimate Year, Charlotte, that um, Ultimates 3 with Blade. Yeah. That, that's them. So like <laughs> picture like that kind of stupid, ugly looking beautiful art i love steve dylan but like it's very intentionally kind of uh kind of ugly humans um yeah, anyway Dylan's, yeah so, steve dylan's characters all look like they've been punched in the nose a few too many oh, times i love it I so much. Did, did i show you my i haven't shown you i got a uh an actual st- original steve dylan dylan justy jesus jesse custer drawing um framed yeah, up on the wall me. it's very cool uh, yeah so so uh yeah, what a, what a what a treasure! You know, speaking so of very cool, yeah. I do have to say yeah. uh, the cover to Punisher War Journal sixty one by Michael yeah. Golden. Mm. Great, yeah, artist. very fun. Mm-hmm. Great cover. Um, that's very cool. I both like both that. of them, I think both covers are pretty good. Yeah, I would. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll actually put out a call here. If you uh, if you're listening to the MMY episode and you've listened this far, let us know in the MMY Slack, or you can write to us at mymarvelsio@gmail.com. What are your favorite '90s Punisher issues? Because um, I would I would hmm. I'm I'm always willing to be like, yeah, what are the ones that I might enjoy? And I just I don't have that, and I don't have the desire to read a ton. But if you're a Punisher head, yeah. let us know. What do you, what are the ones you yeah, think? I, you I am curious to find some Punisher comics that I might. Cause there are some Punisher comics I actually really love but i i can't spoil why but they're not actually finisher comics yeah, yeah. well I, I was gonna say, say more I, than I, that. I like him actually i actually like him most when he's bouncing off of other characters right like yeah. daredevil and punisher spider-man and punisher yeah. always, right always when good. when when he is the foil to them right that's like yeah he, he's like a dark reflect reflection when of he's them. The, the way chip zadarsky yes. uses him in the daredevil run it's awesome really good yeah awesome. yeah yeah so as, as protagonist there has to be a very specific <laughs> like path yeah. he walks for me to dig him. Otherwise, he needs to be like used as a uh, you know as a foil to, to other characters. So. Charlotte, have you read the but, Rick Remender no. uh, Punisher? No, I haven't. Okay, I, that's a, that starts during Dark Reign, and actually a lot of that okay. as well. I will say. Ooh, p- p- finish it during Dark Reign. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I don't know what There's Dark Reign is, and now it's not that. fair of you to talk about something <laughs> that I don't know what it is. So. 
You're right. This is the dean's list, and we need to be yeah. respectful of your ignorance. Please continue. That's <laughs> <the> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Comics. All right. So the last last one I brought is Tales to Astonish from 1994, number one. Boo! Uh, I had to get had to get that out. You know what? To be honest, I reread this again. What did you like, do? Why did I put this one on? <laughs> Explain, explain. Uh, I, I think explain. it is. I think I mean, it looks very, nice. But, it looks um, really nice, and I think maybe that's just what hooked me when I put this on initially. Because I, I reread this last night, and I was like, "This is really long, and it's kind of not. <laughs> yeah, it's so long. It's kind of not much of anything. It's so freaking um, long. Yeah, I'm Charlotte. Stop, stop cussing. No, that was warranted. I said freaking. That was warranted. Oh, did you? Okay, I don't have to edit that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Zach. Um, this was so long. <laughs> it's very long. I don't think it's it's not that bad. Like it, it moves pretty. No, quickly. it's not bad. Uh, I just don't understand bad. why we read it. No, I I agree. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you to a degree. You know, it All is right, interesting. So is... Zach, I'll give you I'll give you the positive first. It's interesting okay. that this comic exists. I had never mm-hmm. read it. We have Peter David writing. Um, base. I mean, what is ultimately a graphic novel. John, John uh, Estes as the art, yeah. which is the important part, right? Like really beautiful and, watercolor. And yeah. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Um, it, it is, it's a follow-up to the Tales of Astonish series that ran in the 1960s. And conceptually, the idea I really like here is the characters that were in Tales to Astonish originally were Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, mm-hmm. and the Hulk. Like there was the characters that split that. So it's yeah. a team up between those characters. And those are that's actually a fascinating dynamic because it's characters we rarely get to see together, but who also have a ton of history together with the Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. So that on that level, I like the idea. Um, the execution of the story, I was totally checked out on very quickly. Um, I think it's it, it is surprisingly uh, uh, cliched. I think it is surprisingly uninteresting. Um, I think Peter David has done so much better so many yeah i mean this this year he's done so much better work (laughs) right like he's done great stuff this Mm. year the 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 stuff i like about it i mean the art i think is pretty unimpeachable like the art is very beautiful um it's definitely trying to go for a vertigo style right you can see them like wanting to be Mm. sandman a little bit wanting to be <laughs> uh, with the uh with the like oh here's real asgard myth components as well right like that's a yeah. very sandman thing and, and i mean just yeah that part and the art right like there's a shot in the uh early on where the villain like lowers his sunglasses and smirks and it's exactly the corinthian right like they are mimicking yeah. the corinthian yeah. really clearly and then like the next panel doing the like big kind of photo that's not quite photorealistic uh big stylized picture but then like just circling the the focal point having like a white frame around them just to be like like it's it's incredibly stylized in a way that i think they're uh they're playing with vertigo stuff you know what um, it does though that you know what it but not as successful sells to me more than anything mm-hmm. is how good marvels because mm-hmm. with marvels you have sure. a similar thing of Alex Ross, do, I mean, frankly, running. La- I know you both like the art here, but Ross is running laps around it. But it, it's also like having good watercolor painted artwork alone is not enough if the storytelling and and the beats aren't there. And the miracle of Marvels is Busiak and Ross sell that. You know, they they use that stylized vision, but they also have a really compelling follow story that it comes. And I think. With this, you see like, and we and we kind of see this with um, the Jim Starlin graphic novel Abattoir. Same kind of thing where they're like, okay, we're going to go for this stylized artistic vision, um, but the story just can't can't carry that weight, and and it becomes super tedious and a slog. 
Um, so it made me really appreciate Marvels because uh, it's never that, and it's it's so tight and so fun to read. I, I kind of uh, just I th- I think like this art in Marvels would have worked really well. Um, like the writing is not up to snuff, and the story is not up to snuff. But I I think this this art would have worked really nicely. I love what the Hulk looks like here. Yeah. Like the Hulk especially looks so cool. Maybe, nah, you know what? I, maybe this wouldn't have worked as nice because like the costume stuff is not nearly as good. I mean, saying like, John Estes on Tales to Astonish is the equivalent of Alex Ross on Marvels. It's yeah. not. It's, <laughs> no, it's not. I I, re- I really like the Hulk and I like how he's drawing it's like good, the mythological figures good. here, but the actual costume heroes don't aren't the same. So you're no. you're right. Like John Alex Ross does something really special with the um the costume heroes over there. I mean, did I you get a little like immortal Hulk here with? From, Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just saying. Did you get a little immortal Hulk with the way that like the Hulk would like turn and look in the camera a few times? Because I I really did. Oh, like, that's interesting. There were some oh, shots here that really put like his piercing green eyes and kind of like a little smirk right into the camera. Um, uh, I got I got I, some I didn't immortal Hulk stuff. Make those connections because I like immortal Hulk a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean <laughs> like this a lot. Um, visually, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean I, Immortal I Hulk think, has a lot sh- of Peter David Hulk foundation, so it also makes sense. Oh, yeah. That, sure. uh, yeah, like, yeah. All right, Charlotte, what, what were you saying? Um, yeah, I think I like the art best with the like myth- mythological stuff it does, because like, mm-hmm. it's a change yeah. to reinvent what Asgard can look like in the Marvel Universe and the more mm-hmm. like fant- classic fantasy uh, look at Asgard, and I kind of like that. Because uh, the whole idea behind it is that there's a serial killer who kills people in reference to Norse mythology, and he gets mm-hmm. manipulated by Loki into becoming what he thinks is Loki. So he thinks himself is Loki, and like when Hulk attacks him, he takes him to be a Heimdall, etc. Um, yeah, yeah th- there's some which, fun which visuals with that. Hulkdale was cool with the horns. Yeah, <laughs> that, that I definitely appreciate. You know, it is. It like- is kind of striking that Marvel didn't lean as heavily into the the sort of darkness of Asgardian myth in the 90s as they could. Yeah. Like, it's actually mm-hmm. kind of surprising that they weren't like, hey, we can just vertigoize our Thor property super easily if we just do what the actual Asgardian myths are. Um, but obviously, yeah. they never never really lean into that. This this comic certainly does, right? It's got all the all the acid dripping on Loki that you could want, I suppose. Yeah, I was going to say, so it gets, all it the, gets all dark, the harems but, that like, uh, Peter David could want. I think that's David <laughs> becoming loves too... a harem. Does anyone oh love a harem God. more than Peter David? I do not know <laughs> that anyone does. My goodness. What did uh cuz we've definitely like World War not World War Hulk um Future Imperfect. Future Imperfect. Yeah. Future Imperfect had a harem. Any other harems so far in Peter David's work? This I mean, is number he two. does it every time he comes back to Future Imperfect, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean once you've established a harem, you have to respect the uh the integrity of your <laughs> Chekhov's your harem building. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you. Check off. Perfect. Uh, yeah, no, he definitely loves that. I mean, I, I will say, I think if you're if you're reading along with us in the club, first, thanks for joining. Um, second, the first, like, 15 to 20 pages of this, pretty interesting. I was very curious, yeah, like, it, where it, this might be going. It goes too long, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I was I was pretty curious, though. I was like, what is this comic going to be? Um, it's got those Sandman, maybe a little early preacher kind of vibes. Um, that piece of it is interesting. So if you read that and you're like, I want to see where it goes, uh, I wouldn't fault you. I definitely did too. Um, I just didn't want to see where it would go for 40 pages because <laughs> it yeah, doesn't I really agree. have good answers. You know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, that You know what? I, I kind of, like I was reading it last night and I got halfway through and then I was like, I don't remember this anymore. And I kind of think I read half of it and was like, this is pretty good. You know, I'm just going to put it on the oh, list. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then I finished it and was like, wait, it didn't actually land anywhere. So... 
I'm I'm kind of there with you. Although I am still glad we like read it and talked about it because I think I think it's very interesting. Um, and any if anything else, it's interesting to check in with the uh, the Wasp and Hank Pym. We haven't seen them in forever. Yeah, and like they're pals now, but like definitely not romantically involved, which I think is uh, is kind of interesting. Like that's happened in She Hulk a few times. If Janet Van Dyne has talked about how they like they're on good terms, but you know not a couple anymore. I will say. Yeah. Um, I don't like them being on good terms. Um, hmm, I understand okay. for fandom why that's more fun, right? Because you have these characters who have decades of history together as a unit, uh, and it, it kind of makes sense for them to be able to team up in that sort of thing. I would I would actually prefer it if Jan Van Dyne wanted nothing to do with Hank Pym. I actually think it would either it would either have to be it, it's either that they're unified like this, like they have you know come to terms and become you know made their peace with each other, or Janet has made peace with Hank Pym rather. Or that they don't have anything to do yeah. with each Hank, other. They, you can't. You Hank can't have them to say I've made peace. right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but you. Uh, you get like if, if you had them hanging around together, but that like yeah. wound was still just like very much open all the time. Then that would just be miserable, and that wouldn't work, right? Because well, I get why no, Marvel you, want you couldn't to do take it. It. They, they want you to forget, right? Marvel. Marvel would much rather you forgot yeah. that Hank Pym punched Janet in the face. Which, like, I, I don't know. I'm. Meeting. I'm sympathetic to that to some degree right like i'm sympathetic to the idea of like <laughs> please go on <laughs> well no i'm sympathetic to the idea that like these <laughs> stories run for 70 years and like they they'll make mistakes with these stories and you oh, know the, like the wanting that. to forget part of it yeah and be like yeah i mean you know they do that all the time and then people get like um like mr sinister is uh, not really a spoiler exactly but mr mm, sinister stop, is like not stop stop exactly stop. i think it's a little spoilery no, no, no. It, I I don't know that much. So like he he's that's true. Friendly-ish with the X Men in the the modern day. I'll just say that. And then people were like, yeah, but look look at this one panel I found from some obscure '90s X Men comic that said that like he worked with the Nazis once. And it's like, yeah, I guess, but you know, that's not like a core part of his that character. Obscure. And- Are you talking about X Men twelve and thirteen, the Alamogordo project? Talking about the Black Moon Project, Zach? <laughs> not that obscure. You, you tell me about uh, X-Men what, Legacy 211 to 214? Get I just understand the impulse to be obscure. like, yeah, someone threw out some detail, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And like, yeah, we, you know, we want to move, <laughs> we want to move past that, right? Like, especially if it's not an integral core part of the character. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, you know, sometimes you can do it and sometimes you can't. Some stuff you can move past, some stuff you can't, but... I understand the uh, the impulse to want to like that salvage is, a character or Hank salvage and a story. Moment yeah. is not obscure, Zach. So like, no, no, I know it's, it's totally not. It's huge. It it's is huge. a very monumental yeah. moment in Avengers yeah. history, and it's here. Here's the thing with Hank and Jan that Marvel can pretend never happened: the time that Jeff Johns wrote them and they got really tiny and went down on each other. <laughs> Marvel can pretend <laughs> that, that didn't happen in an Avengers comic. They cannot pretend <laughs> that the domestic violence. Didn't no, I know. I I, no, I, I disagree, you know, Dave. I like, don't think they can pretend like it doesn't didn't happen. I think they have to bring it up every comics. Like every time you they know, they're not bring it up. It, oh, really? without, without getting <laughs> that's that's amazing. Without getting into specifics, you know, you also get stuff like Sins Past, where Marvel wants you to forget that that happened, but then like. No, they, they kind don't. of compulsive. No, they don't. Well, they <laughs> they do, except that they then need to like retcon it. And I read those issues recently that were like, oh "All right, gosh. we have. How to, did you make this a to, Sins Pass podcast? <laughs> we have to, we have to clean this up. So you know, and you just have this horrible, belabored, uh, very you know, like such a stretch to try to like weave something in and deal with it, right? You know, 
So, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea of, like, it's been 30 years, let's just kind of, you know, like, <laughs> like move on instead of trying to, like... Here's, here's where I will agree with you, Zach, is I will yeah. say comics about rectifying other comics yeah tend to a bad be bad comics yeah <laughs> tend to yeah. be even worse idea i think um i will be curious as we read through it's something to keep in the back of the mind what are examples of comics that rectify other comics that are good right so like avengers annual number 10 is probably the most famous example that mm-hmm. we've read yeah. to date totally, which totally. very yeah. quickly is chris claremont stepping in and saying we better do something about Carol Danvers because Jim Shooter just went bananas on Avengers number 200. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so like that, that's a good example, but yeah, I'm sure there are others, but top of mind, I would say broadly, if you're, if you're a comics creator and you have the choice to try and rectify something that has negative fan sentiment or just to tell your own story, probably better to tell your own story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nine times yeah. out of 10. I agree. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Dean's list. You both passed with a C plus. Good job, everybody. That's not yeah, how Dean's lists work. But, but I did get the Valedictorian Award. <laughs> so I'm more... And of I course got I got a name that I still don't understand. It, it's, it, instead of straight A's, you, you have, you're you not a straight A student. You're a straight, straight Francais student. What? Oh, fr- Francais. Okay, yeah, I get it. Francais. Francais. It's, it's bad, I thought you were going to tell me that I got straight D's. I straight uh-huh. D's, baby. That's pretty good. I tried to uh, find a way to do that valedictorian joke that didn't like compliment you, <laughs> and uh, and I couldn't think of a wording that that worked well. <laughs> that was the only thing and I could lay on. Yeah, I think the yeah. So thank you. Charlotte says now at an hour in. Charlotte, um, <laughs> what what would we call a Charlotte's list? And do you want to do one sometime? Ooh. Especially when we get into the. Me on the spot, I mean, in the, the, I, I'd in love the, to do well, one. The, uh, I don't have a good name for it right now. Yeah, we'll come up with some. I mean, you're you're better at these puns than I am. But in the 2000s, especially, right? That's when like you know yeah. this stuff, and you're like, you know, that's when your fandom really kicks I mean, in. Can so, we like, do a uh, one full episode on Kevin Gillen's Janine to Mystery from beginning to end? I mean, once <laughs> we once we hit that point here, now uh, when I'm in my late 50s, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> That could be good. Um, yeah, yeah, no, we will, we will need a Charlotte's list, and we will yeah. need a name for it. Um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you were really a big Spider-Man fan, we could do Charlotte's Web of Spider-Man, but I'm not sure Ooh, that'll be what you want to pick. That's Ooh. pretty good, Charlotte's Web. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. We will think about it. All right, cool, yep. cool, cool. Zach, thanks for providing an always uh, interesting one-decade Dean's List experience. I'll um, be back I, in I do, 2004. You know, I do have to say, I, I do genuinely have to say, I really like reading comics that i didn't pick <laughs> i really enjoy that experience um because it's like and that you okay, haven't read before right here. like yeah and, and especially yeah but, it, but well you've read these some of these you said i'd read yeah, secret which, which defenders one? and i read captain marvel when i was making the list because i thought i might want to ah, um, okay and gotcha. i ultimately just kind of felt like there wasn't room you know but it, but it is good so i'm glad it's on here so yeah. um you know tales to astonish um eh, yeah less, less well, glad less glad yeah agreed <laughs> coming up next which you can, again, find all the issues in the show notes. Uh, we're going to read Cosmic Powers 1 to 6, and then we're going to read Warlock and the Infinity Watch 26 to 31, Jim Starlin's final issues in the run. So we talked about kind of where the Starlin era is at, and it's basically at a conclusion uh, for, you know, hmm. almost a decade. Um, so we're going we're gonna to read the end of that, even though we haven't been reading all of Infinity Watch. If you're like, I want to be caught up before then, read mm-hmm. yourself some, uh, some Warlock and Infinity Watch. You know, it's a, it's an interesting and pretty fun series if you like. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. And then after that, we're going to get into X Men, Wedding Season, and Phalanx Season, and then we're going to have a special guest for the Spider Man Clone Saga kickoff. Here it's me. I'm back. <laughs> we're going to have Zach, but we're also going to have uh, an even specialer guest 
for well, that one. So that's okay, to be determined. <laughs> the hit time will tell. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, this is my Marvel this year. You can you can rate and review on iTunes. You can go to patreon.com slash Marvel this year for ways to support the show. I'm Dave. You can find me at Comic Book Herald pretty much anywhere online. Zach runs the Twitter account at my Marvel this year, as well as Instagram. Uh, can I point can something out before at we at Fiero Charlotte? I believe uh, if I have that right. And, uh, and yeah. what do you want to point out, Zach? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Just uh, before we wrap up, totally one thing to point out about the Patreon: we just hit our $900 goal. Thank you, everyone, to uh, for the support. Really appreciate it. We're going to be doing a uh, superhero RPG, a uh, little mini series over on the Patreon pretty soon. We're we're in the planning stages of that now, so keep your eyes open for that. But just want to point out the $1,000 goal is very exciting to me. Uh, it's it's actually not because uh, I'm just gonna get so much grief <laughs> over this. I'm ex- I'm ex- we're we're thinking about we're gonna do a mini series over Invincible. Read the whole series, talk about it over like what twelve episodes, I think, something like that for the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Very excited to do that because I am genuinely excited to re reread what I have and re- read the whole thing and talk about it. Uh, not excited because people are gonna be so mad at me for not being in love with <laughs> that comic. Um, <laughs> We'll have, but, to, uh, yes. we'll have to think, too, about some... Because, di- like, here's the thing. 12 episodes of you being like, mm, not that into it. it sounds like a horrible podcast. Um, so we're gonna think about <laughs> no, I, I have stuff to, to say to about it. it. I, I think... I'm sure I you think, think that, uh, but, like, we're going to have to think about some different angles. Yeah, I mean, it, it is true reading, like, one run of an entire... You know, like, it, we had this with um, Ultimate Spider-Man to some degree, right? Where, like, you we get to a point where... You have opinions about it, and they aren't. There's not dramatic enough stuff in it, stuff happening to really change it, right? And yeah, right. You're just like, this is still Bendis and uh, and Bagley. Yeah, they're yeah. still doing the same. You know, it's still hovering between a, a B plus and an A minus. Like it gets tedious, uh, I think. Yeah, it gets tough. So maybe maybe we'll we'll mix up the format. That was the idea initially, but anyway, we're gonna read Invincible and talk about it, um, which I am excited about. Like I I don't I don't hate that comic. Like I, I am not miserable. Re- I write a bunch of that comic, and I didn't. have <laughs> Do they have that review time. on the back of the hardcovers? <laughs> yeah, Quote, it won't make you miserable. It will not make you miserable. <laughs> it's the nicest thing I can say about it. Um, okay, Charlotte, you've watched it but not read it, right? I read oh. like I read the first few volumes of it a few years ago. Okay, uh, but I barely remember it. I mostly remember the don't show. Don't say if you don't That's love it. Don't say it out loud because no one will. People will not let you live it down. Charlotte, ever. do you do you like the show then? Yeah, I really like the show. You really like it, yeah. Okay. I haven't watched the show yet. I watched um, the first okay. episode. As far as I, I should watch the first episode? No, not a comment on the quality either. I just want to be clear. <laughs> like, that's just, that's as far as I got. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that uh, that will do it for us. Uh, did we say Disaster Piece does our music yet? I don't think so. No, we have now. We should. Yeah. We should Dave, you, you, to make, sure you, make sure you don't forget to tell everyone that Disaster Piece does the music for my Marvelous Okay, I'll try, I'll try to remember. Uh, have you heard that okay. Disaster Piece did the music for my Marvelous Year? I oh, my God, I what? Disaster Piece did do the music for my Marvelous Year, and, uh, and Disaster Piece does a nice job doing music, period, right? So it's cool that we have that. They really do. I, I'm playing uh, Hyperlight Drifter right now, and uh, he does the soundtrack right now? That that. You, you vibe to tunes while you're <laughs> podcasting? That's interesting. I could see yeah, that. I could see, like, a little backbeat. You know, kind of thing going. I've never tried it, but I, I some podcasts that. do that. Um, just kind of have like a yeah, you know, we, we like should just lo-fi add the uh, Megalovania adds uh, the background uh, uh, for follow. Stop it, you sicko! Hey, are you guys <laughs> familiar <laughs> with the Busset Challenge on TikTok? <laughs> I'm sorry, <No>. what? 
Go on. Right. I did. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. You're you're big into TikTok now. Yeah. 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 No, no, no I'm a big please. TikToker now. That is my. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that on a variant because that's I have a lot to say about TikTok now that I'm a big TikToker and uh, it probably there's not time on this episode for that. <laughs> so thanks everybody for listening. As always, we'll see you next year. See you next, see you next year. year.